Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I've got a lovely show planned just for you. Rob Bluey is going to join me in just a minute, and Dr. Greg Borgon is going to come on And after that. And Dr. Andy Davis is going to be with me in hour two, so it's going to be a great show. Rob, you know, is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. I always encourage you to head over to dailysignal.com and check it out. Rob, welcome. It's great to be back, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. In the midst of a very busy month, which I know December is for you with a young family uh, and work and everything else, I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Um, I must admit, I've taken a little bit of a break from news, so I'm a little panicked as to what to ask you first. <laughs> well, there's no shortage of things to talk about, so I, I can just go down the, the list. Yeah. And, you know, why don't we start right across the street from what I'm looking at, which okay. is the U.S. Capitol. Please we're, do. We're blessed, blessed to be located here in our nation's capital and right on Capitol Hill. And we are keeping a close eye on what's happening in this lame duck session of Congress because, Bill, you know as well as I do too often, it's uh, they're up to no good. And uh, first and foremost, they have an impending deadline of this Friday when government spending runs out. So, I mean, we are staring down on a potential government shutdown if they don't get their act together. And, uh, and it, it's hard to believe because you have, a, obviously, a Democrat in the White House, a Democrats controlling the House and Senate right now, at least up until uh, the beginning of the new year when Republicans take over uh, the House. But uh, yeah, they, uh, they have a, some big, big hurdles and some sticking points to overcome. And what it looks like they're they're hoping to do is actually pump this just a week, which would put the new deadline right on the eve of Christmas, uh, December oh, wow. 23rd. So, I mean, that's never a good sign for taxpayers because we know at that point, lawmakers just want to get out of town and they're going to do everything they can uh, to, to speed up the process. Um, fortunately, there are a number of senators, uh, four senators in particular, led by uh, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, who really want to uh, punt this to where it needs to be, and that's the beginning of the next Congress. Uh, we're, we should not be making decisions in this lame duck Congress when so many lawmakers are planning to leave Washington, D.C. for good in just a few weeks, either through retirement or having lost their elections. It should really be up to the newly elected Congress to negotiate with uh, President Biden on what the spending plan will be. And uh, and our, our certainly our preference as as people who are concerned about the growing debt and uh, the incredible deficits that uh, we're staring at, uh, it needs to be much more constrained than it has been. We have spent $7 billion, uh, over $7 trillion, sorry, Bill, over the course of the last <laughs> couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, just during the COVID emergency yeah. uh, phase. And, and we cannot, that's not sustainable. You can hardly get yourself to say the word trillion. Well, <laughs> it, <laughs> that just it, did it, roll right. off your tongue. That's that's right. Uh, and and just to give some perspective, I mean, that is the last couple of years. The the, the bill that they are debating right now is almost two trillion dollars, wow. which, again, is just like a head scratcher. I remember <laughs> not too long ago when uh, when, when these these bills were, you know, far less. 
And it is, uh, there are a number of steps that they can take. My colleagues, Matt Dickerson and Steve Moore, two noted economists, have a piece in today's Wall Street Journal where they talk about pay as you go, or otherwise known as pay go, which would allow them to automatically cut uh, some money right off the top, $130 billion, uh, which, uh, which is, you know, a start. It's, it's not going to get us all we need. But I think we need the lawmakers in Washington, D.C. to start making some of these tough decisions, just like you and I and so many other Americans have been forced to do, uh, given the inflation and some of the other cost increases that we've experienced over the last couple of years as a result of this profligate spending. Mm-hmm. So as I'm eliminating some emails from my email box, Rob, I'm not really looking at news, but I did see a couple of news items as I was uh, eliminating emails. And one thing that caught my eye as I was clicking delete was that uh, Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, who's a senator, has claimed now an independent status. What does that do? For things well, it, it well, the first thing uh, it does is it, it really sends some some shockwaves through through Congress because all of a sudden the Democrats were 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 looking uh, much more comfortable in their position, having 51 seats as opposed to 50. And uh, basically, what this does is it throws it it, it back into a situation where. Kristen Cinema uh, or Joe Manchin can can play the deal breaker on on so many of the important issues, and that's what we saw happen, of course, over the last couple of years when we had a fifty fifty tie in the Senate. Uh, whether it was the president's nominees or or big pieces of legislation, oftentimes those two senators uh, were in a position to make or break uh, those. Uh, those types of actions. And so she has decided, because she doesn't feel that the Democratic Party currently aligns with her values, that she is going to become an independent. Uh, she'll be the third independent that is in the U.S. Senate. Uh, Angus <clears throat> King of Maine and Bernie Sanders of Vermont are, are two of the others. Of course, they're closely aligned with the Democrats, and uh, and they, they may have the independent next to their name, but they caucus with the Democrats and for all intents and purposes are, are part of that Democratic caucus. Uh, Cinema has said that she's going to take a different route. It sounds like she wants to truly be an independent and somebody who will vote her conscience and, uh, and not be dictated to by what the party wants. And so it's hard to say at this point what exactly it means. The Democrats will still have a majority, obviously. She's not caucusing with Republicans. And even if she were, Kamala Harris, the vice president, would still cast the tie-breaking vote. So uh, it doesn't really change the the dynamics all that much, but I suspect that there will be times when she is more inclined to side with Republicans than she is with uh, her former party. Interesting. Rob Bluey is my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. I encourage you to check out dailysignal.com. So, Rob, I'm looking at inflation in the holidays, and I am noticing, uh, I saw a gas station not too far from my house that was under $3 a gallon. Well, it, that's true. And, and we had some new numbers out today uh, with, with, the, with inflation uh, down to around now 7%. Uh, didn't ever think I'd be celebrating that number. And I don't think we necessarily should. But, uh, but it does show that uh, the numbers have, have come down uh, still uh, much too high. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's having big consequences for, for Americans. Uh, part of that, uh, that that drop is obviously the, the lower price of gas. I mean, oil has has come down as well as the, the year has gone on. I mean, we typically see that, right, Bill? I mean, it's uh, in the summer when we we see the price of gasoline usually spike because demand goes up, and uh, and that's when the price is a little bit higher. So I still think that there are other things that that your listeners are are seeing higher prices for 
Uh, for instance, uh, lunch meats are up 18%, eggs are up 49%, flour is up 25%, butter's up 27%, milk is up 15%. I mean, you could go down the list. And so whether you're at the grocery store or the gas station, you're, you're still likely paying more now than you were just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, an interview. I, I didn't see an interview. I saw a friend of mine sent me a clip. And out of respect, I did listen to it. And it was uh, this gentleman, Neil Oliver, saying that, uh, quoting, we aren't allowed the energy available from a century of gas beneath our feet here in Britain because it's not green. But we're paying top dollar for nine billion cubic liters, twice as much as last year's order of gas fracked out of the ground in the U.S. Well, that that is so true. I mean, and whether it's the United Kingdom or the United States, there's there's no doubt that the the policies of of the left and and those uh, in the in the climate change movement have have definitely been part of the the equation as to why we're paying higher prices, not just for gasoline, but for all forms of energy, frankly. And it's uh, it, it, it will start to. You know, I, I think if people haven't seen it already, the the heating bills are going to be higher mm-hmm. uh, as a result of this as well. Um, the, w- one of the reasons food prices are higher is because it's it's costing more to um, to pr- produce for for farmers and and and, and other places to produce uh, food. Um, one uh, one statistic: uh, the average family is going to probably spend about sixteen percent more this winter. Just to stay warm, mm-hmm. uh, as a result of not only uh, the the war on energy, but also the the cost of inflation, uh, it's going to have an impact. So th- there's a simple solution to this. I mean, we do have the energy resources here in our own country, and we should not be uh, restricting those. Uh, as as you and I have talked about before, we need to have an all of the above energy strategy. Uh, renewables mm-hmm. are, are certainly part of that mix, but they can't be. All the the in in it alone, uh, we simply just don't aren't at a point right now where where that's possible. So let's uh, let's get back to the point where we were in the Trump administration. You might not your listeners might have disagreements with Trump personally, but I think so many of the policies that he employed uh, led us to energy independence, and and we weren't as reliable. We weren't relying on other countries uh, for oil. And in the case of Europe, I think it's particularly. Uh, striking because you have a situation there where obviously Russia is a huge supplier of energy to these countries in Europe and it's carrying out a war on Ukraine. And if we really wanted to isolate Russia and and punish it for its actions, then we should (laughs) by all means be taking advantage of of other sources of energy uh, beyond what the Russians are providing. Yeah. I, I read that in 2021, 687 million people took a airplane flight somewhere. And I thought, you know, we can't move away from fossil fuels quite yet. We can't. I mean, it, it's it's not it's not possible. And and I'm a, you know a, a big fan of electric vehicles and and what what the future holds for them. But the, the the fact of the matter is, so many people can't afford them. I mean, they are in many cases a luxury item that uh, that, that those who are, are are wealthy enough to be able to to purchase one, uh, you know, can can invest and, and save on the price of gasoline, but we're not quite at a, at a level yet where they're being mass produced by car manufacturers. And we may get there uh, for certainly in our lifetime, I think we'll get there, but, uh, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where I think we need to have common sense. And I understand uh, the concerns of, of those on the, on the, on the left and those in the green movement who are concerned about climate change. But at the same time, uh, there are other consequences to restricting our, our use of energy and it's creating 
uh, poverty for, for some individuals and it's making them, uh, forcing them to make some really tough decisions right before Christmas uh, and during a, a cold winter mm-hmm. when uh, they shouldn't have to worry about those types of things. Yeah. If you have a question for Rob Bluey, let me know what it is. The text line is open just for you, 877-933-2484. If you want to know what's going on and you have a predicament you want Rob to discuss, let me know what it is. I can ask him on your behalf. You can remain anonymous if you like. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. It is Rob Bluey's walk-up music, which he determined what it was with his kids, so that's awesome. Say, Rob, uh, David wants to know, is there still a diesel fuel shortage? Well, there uh, there continues to be uh, some challenges when it comes to diesel fuel. Certainly, it's uh, it's it's more expensive than than regular gasoline, uh, Bill. But uh, I I, um, I I would you know just to be honest with your your audience. <laughs> I got to do some more research on, on, on the exact specifics on that one. Uh, you caught me a little bit off guard. No, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Um, let's go down your list. I know you've got well, more to discuss. Yes, I do. So the other thing that happened today in Washington, D.C. is President Biden signed the Respect for Marriage Act. Of course, this is a bill that we think disrespects marriage, particularly because it doesn't provide sufficient protections for religious liberty, which mm-hmm. is, of course, uh, of, of grave concern to those of us at the Heritage Foundation and Daily Signal, and I know is on the mind of many of your your listeners, particularly those who who believe in traditional marriage. And so President Biden signing a bill that had bipartisan support in Congress, 62 votes, uh, 12 Republicans in the U.S. Senate, and uh, and 39 Republicans in the U.S. House, and, and all Democrats, of course, supported it. So it, uh, it does not contain the amendment that Senator Mike Lee uh, had introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, that fell short of the votes that were needed to, to add it to the bill. And, uh, and what we're concerned about now is what will happen to religious-affiliated schools or nonprofits that want to continue to practice uh, their belief in marriage between one man and one woman, and if those organizations might face lawsuits or attacks from our, our federal government, specifically the IRS, on their nonprofit status, uh, we will uh, be keeping a close eye on that. Uh, of course, uh, Biden uh, ignoring a lot of those concerns and, uh, and, and trumpeting it for other reasons, but this, is, uh, this was one of the uh, a fallout from the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision because there was some concern that eventually the court may overturn the a Burgerfeld decision, uh, which legalized same-sex marriage. So that's an issue to keep uh, keep watch of, Bill, particularly because we just had a case at the U.S. Supreme Court last week, the 303 Creative case, that uh, dealt with some of these issues. Uh, a Colorado graphic designer who didn't want to uh, produce uh, a website for um, a, a, same, uh, a same-sex marriage 
And that individual ended up at the U.S. Supreme Court, not too dissimilar from Jack Phillips, the Colorado mm-hmm. baker who didn't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding. And so I think you're going to continue to see more and more of these issues play out. And that's why it's really important for the Supreme Court to clarify the law here and I think provide those protections for individuals who uh, have uh, religious objections uh, to to carrying out uh these types of business practices, uh, they should be able to choose for themselves. Mm -hmm. Rob, I have another energy question from a listener, and this is one I don't even understand, so good luck with it. Um, uh, Did you cover fusion already? My question is, what kind of energy are they using to try to create fusion? I don't Hmm, even know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Well, I I saw, I I think that the... Uh, one of your your listener is mentioning it because I saw that uh, fusion energy was was in the news in, in the last day or so, um, and uh, and they announced that they had achieved you know a, a big breakthrough in, uh, in in reproducing the power of the sun in, in a lab. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm not a scientist, and I probably can't give your listener <laughs> much more details on that. But uh, but you know I think anytime uh, we can have these scientific breakthroughs and and find new opportunities, uh, you know that that again, uh, provide alternatives to existing sources of energy. It's a good thing. And, uh, and, and of course, having that diversity in our energy portfolio, I think only makes us a stronger country. I mean, that's one of the reasons that the United States has been so successful because we've been blessed with these abundant resources and, uh, and the technology and, and, you know, the, the people who are, are, are much smarter than me when it comes to, to, to these, these, uh, achievements. Yeah. Here's another question, Rob Bluey. How is the governor of California going to pay for housing the homeless? Oh, that's a that's a, a a big question. Uh, this is obviously an issue that has animated a lot of California voters. It's one of the reasons why I think Republicans had some surprising surprising wins in the state. Um, it was, uh, you know, California being an overwhelmingly democratic state, uh, particularly when it comes to its own assembly, uh, the governor uh, being in a situation where there are confronting big challenges in major cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles, and the homeless population is 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 causing uh, some some turmoil there. I mean, it was a big issue in the Los Angeles mayor's race, mm-hmm. where you nearly had a former Republican again, like just shocking. Uh, knock off uh, a longtime Democrat uh, congresswoman, uh, Karen Bass, who who did emerge victorious as as LA's new mayor, um, and San Francisco, which we've reported on from the Daily Signal. Our editor in chief, Katrina Trinko, is from the Bay Area and uh, and has documented firsthand what she experienced when she walked among the homeless. And obviously, you know, as Christians, Bill, I think we we feel for these individuals who are are facing the the challenge in life. But when uh, you know the streets are strewn with with drug needles and and other um, uh, you know, excrement and other things that it, it just is not sanitary. Right. I, I think it, we we've had a, a breakdown in our, our public work system and local leadership. And so, to the extent that the government governor can come in and help, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's probably limited things that, that that a person in that office can do. It, it really is a local issue, and I think we need our local leaders to pay more attention to it. And not far from from here at. at uh, at Union Station, which is is really just a, a block or two away from my office, you've had a situation where the retail businesses have just not come back 
uh, after COVID. Union Station, by the way, is the train station, which is a major, major transportation hub in the Washington, D.C. area. And of course, what, what, our, what our current president, Joe Biden, uh, d- departed from every day when he was a senator to take the Amtrak home to, to Delaware. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a major homeless problem uh, uh, there as well. So it, it's in no community seems uh, to seem spared from from the homeless. And I think that probably exacerbating the problem is what we where we started this interview. You have higher costs. Uh, there, there are fewer people working. The labor force participation rate is 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 not great. And uh, and we need to hopefully help these individuals find jobs and get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Rob Louie is my guest. Rob, here's another question from a listener. Hey, Bill, ask Rob about the Keystone pipeline leak. Is it fake news? Well, uh, hold on a second, Bill. <laughs> Let me see what I what I can find out here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm seeing. I, I am seeing that there uh, there are some reputable sources. Okay. That uh, that it, there have been some some spills at, at Keystone in the last few years. Uh, so, I mean, I from from what my knowledge is uh, on on pipelines, this this will occasionally happen. I mean, we are. We we do live in a in a society where you know these are not uh, you know fail proof, so there there will be from time to time, just like there are you know our our oil leaks in, in our our waters off off sea. Um, but you know one of the things to remember, and one of the things that stands out to me when President Biden made the decision on the Keystone to cancel the Keystone pipeline in uh, in early in his tenure is that we would instead of using a, a relatively safe pipeline, which which you know these leaks could be repaired. Uh, we would be transport transporting all of this this oil uh, through through trucks. I mean, which seems to be to me uh, far less efficient, first of all, but also far more dangerous in terms of the the possibility of accidents and and other um, spills taking place. And so, yes, uh, there there does appear to be uh, some some leaks uh, with the Keystone pipeline, and uh, it's um, it, 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 what I'm seeing is that it's it's the worst in about a, a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that we'll have to pay attention to. Yeah. I found it interesting, Rob, that Kirk Cameron uh, is up against uh, quite a bit of rejection from libraries. He had 50 libraries reject his book without even reading it. And apparently uh, most libraries are not willing to listen to a Christian message in any it's capacity. Right. It's just amazing because yeah. so many of these libraries, you know, are, are openly embracing drag, drag queen story hour and yeah. other books. Uh, Bill, I was at um, my own um, uh, local public library recently and I was shocked. I was in the, you know, I guess the toddler room or the room where, you know, at least under five, kids under five and how many political themed books wow. – related to sexual orientation and gender identity were on the shelves there. I mean, it was just remarkable to see that. So for Kirk Cameron to get pushback uh, for wanting to have uh, his book or having a religious story hour, it, it's it's really troubling. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I think it just goes to show that our, our public libraries are now a battleground in the culture war as well. It's, it's really too bad. Yeah, I wonder if, if Kirk could have been able to read it had he dressed in drag. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's an approach yeah, that would be novel. You know, Kirk Cameron, somebody who's uh, spoken at, at an event that we hosted earlier this year, uh, he's doing some remarkable things. And, and I just think that, it, uh, you know, people like him who are obviously in a ho- hostile culture and, and have been for most of their lives and, you know, are, are, are willing to, to brave, uh, you know, the, uh, the attacks that mm-hmm. he's, he's certainly come under. Uh, you know, we, ne- we need more of them to speak out, and I, I-, I certainly hope that other uh, actors like him uh, are willing to do so. Yeah. Rob, I- I'm just realizing that you are one hour ahead of us here, so you do this interview every Tuesday, probably pretty hungry for dinner. 
<laughs> well, yeah, it's a priority to be home for dinner, and my community is having their their uh, annual Christmas party tonight, so we're going to get to see Santa and <laughs> uh, and t- take the kids out tonight. So, so Bill, it'll be a joyous occasion. Okay, for sure. I appreciate you so much, Rob Bluey. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful evening with your family. Thanks, Bill. All take right, care. you bet. Rob Bluey's been my guest. He is the executive editor at the Daily. Signal, you can always head to dailysignal.com to check out Rob's work and his colleagues. We're going to take a break, and then Dr. Greg Borgon is going to join me. We're going to talk about interpreting Scripture with Scripture. We'll be right back. back with Dr. Greg Borgon, and we're going to talk about studying Scripture through Scripture. I'm going to read something that he, that he has here. He says, this is from Second Peter chapter 1, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's right. Wow. That is a powerful verse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just makes sure you understand that we're not talking about a novel. <laughs> That's right. We're talking about the inspired Word of God. Mm-hmm. All right, Greg, I'm excited to talk about today interpreting Scripture with Scripture. Okay. Now, I think, you know, you will say that you're not opposed to commentaries. You just want to go to them at the end of your study. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incumbent upon ourselves to go ahead and, and go to God's Word, study it, draw our own conclusions, and then uh, compare them to scholars who have written on the subject maybe for years, depending. And there are good commentaries and there are bad commentaries. But the idea is, at least in my practice, is to wait until the end to go to the commentary because if I go to it at the beginning, it'll be easy for me to embrace whatever conclusion that scholar reached without doing my own work. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that what God wants to do is speak to us doing our own work, and then we go to a commentary. Yeah. So teach us uh, more about studying Scripture on Scripture. Well, first of all, as we started off, we're not talking about just uh, rhetoric or comment or narrative. What we're talking about, the Scripture that you read, is the inspired Word of God. And there are two passages that, uh, you know, the best commentary on Scripture is Scripture itself. So there are two passages that validate the significance and the importance uh, of Scripture. And the first one is found in... Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. And then we look at 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, no doubt familiar to many Christians who have been in the faith for just uh, even a little while. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that a man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you have this process that we go through about submitting to the teaching, understanding how, uh, and then comparing our life to the God's standard and understanding there is a difference, making that correction, and then we submit to his training. 
So those passages are significant and important to us. Now, when we think of the Word of God, uh, you know, today uh, people think oftentimes in mental images. And so maybe it'd be helpful to the audience to identify some of these metaphors of the Word of God that speak, that the Scriptures actually uh, declare themselves. Uh, first of all, the Word of God, as many may recognize, is called the sword that pierces. Interesting enough, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the only offensive weapon bill that we have is the sword, which is the Word of God. Everything else is is for defense, mm-hmm. the shield of faith and uh, the helmet of salvation and so forth. Um, and so consequently, if we're not trying to master the Word, then we're always going to be on the defense. Wow. So we need to understand that the Word has been called the sword that pierces. It also has been called the mirror that reveals or reflects us. So it's often, you know, we can walk for a given period of time and not even recognize what we look like over time until we look in a mirror. Um, And that's what the Word of God does. It gives us a mirror into our soul. It gives us a mirror to what we really look like. And then it also, the Bible is referred to, or the Word of God is referred to as a milk that nourishes in 1 Peter 2.2. So it provides the sustenance we need. It's called the lamp that illuminates. Mm-hmm. And in First Peter, it's also a seed that produces. Yep, a seed that produces and a fire that consumes, a hammer that shatters, it says in Jeremiah 23, 29, um, a food that sustains in Matthew 4, 4, mm-hmm. a I'll... chisel that shapes us into the image of Christ mm. in Second Timothy 3. Uh, and finally, a water that cleanses. And a lamp that illuminates. A lamp that illuminates. Yeah. So when you think of all of these metaphors of what the Word of God represents um, and what those metaphors point to in terms of the functionality of the Word in people's lives, uh, then you can understand the significance of them. Mm-hmm. So the question we need to ask oftentimes is, okay, um, all right, that's good, uh, Greg. What what are we to do with it? Um, well, first of all, the Word again tells us, and again, it's the best commentary on itself. It, it's very clear and it's, it's it's very comprehensive. So what are we to do about it? We're to hear it, first of all. In other words, to take the time to hear it, um, oftentimes out loud, whether it's from a pulpit or from... Um, a Bible app or something of that nature. Secondly, to read it, and then to receive it, then to believe it. And so uh, you can see the growing depth of our involvement just with those first four uh, commands of the Lord or the the precepts of the Lord. It also says in Scripture that we're to search it, we're to be instructed by it, we're to obey it, we're to continue in it, we're to keep it. We're to study it. We're to hide or memorize it within the heart. We're to meditate on it. We're to dwell in it, and we're to praise it. So it's not something that we just glibly pick up once a week or on the weekend when we think we've got the time. Um, it's it's much more than that. So one of the things that I've worked with with men in my ministry, Heart of a Warrior Ministries, is getting a grip on the Word because it's the Word that is. That transforms you. But there's different ways to approach it. Let's pretend for a second. I was just teaching over at the University of Northwestern and went up the stairways again at Nazareth Hall 
from the ground floor, and all of the, the steps are labeled with the books of the Bible, mm-hmm. all 66 of them all the way to, to the top. And so I'd like the audience to picture a stairway of five steps. And the stairway, is each of the stairs is labeled as follows. The first step uh, is hear. The second step is read. The third step is study. The fourth step is memorize. And the fifth step is meditate. So when we, when we talk about hearing the Word of God, it's exposing ourselves to sermons, to teaching, to podcasts. Your afternoons um, with Bill Arnold. Afternoon with Bill Arnold. I, I didn't mean to throw that in. You, yeah, you, I guess I did mean to throw really it in. You're really going to get a grasp of the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, but I've guessed like you, of course. You yeah. Know, so, uh. <laughs> yeah, okay, Bill. <laughs> and then you read the Word. You're talking about getting an overview of Scripture. You're talking about... Uh, taking advantage of reading plans, which everybody starts at the beginning of mm-hmm. every new year. Of which there are many good ones. And there are many good ones. Yep. And, um, and so we're, that's what we're talking about reading. When we talk about studying, now we're getting a little bit more serious here. We're talking about preparing our heart for the study. I just told my men the other day when we met on Saturday, there was 20 men there. I said, you know, when you go to the Word of God, do you just open it up? Or do you prepare yourself and say, Lord, what are you going to teach me today? I want you to know my heart is open to hear your still, small voice in my life. Speak strongly to me, Lord, I pray. Mm. Give me the insight that I need. Let me hear what you want me to hear. That's preparing yourself to go into Scripture. And Greg, I hope in the study phase you've got a pen in your hand. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's when you start to go ahead and and, uh, go through the three steps of study, which are observation, interpretation, and application. It's kind of like the crime scene investigator you're going to the the crime site, and all you're doing is observing and identifying the evidence. And you're not make, drawing any conclusions yet. You're just like going to the Word of God, just saying, what does the actual passage say? And then you go and take all of that evidence back to the laboratory and apply rules of interpretation to it. And so you can start to make sense of the various pieces of evidence you've drawn from the crime site, or in this particular case, probably a poor uh, analogy here, but the idea is is that you're going ahead and taking a look at the word, and now you're applying principles of interpretation to help understand what it means. Because you're answering the question, okay, what does it mean? The first question is, what does it say? Second question is, what does it mean? And then the third is, well, how does it apply in general, and how does it apply to me specifically? Yeah, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about mm-hmm. it? When you come to memorization, you know what I find is interesting, Bill. Many Christians I talk to today have not developed the habit of memorizing God's Word. Um, when I take these guys through phase one, they have three passages that they have to memorize. When I was discipled by uh, a man of God years ago, and I was a young chief in the Navy, we spent 13 sessions together over a year, and I had to memorize two passages for every session, and I had to explain them. Mm-hmm. And so, But I'm not seeing that kind of discipline a lot today. But that's the next step. And then the final step is meditation, where you're talking about um, meditating on the principles, the practice, the priorities, you're chewing over what you've studied about and, and making those applications. What I also find interesting, and my, my uh, mentor, uh, J. Robert Clinton, Bobby Clinton, talks about this. He says, when God develops us, um, he gives us what he calls a core set. That's a collection of very important Bible books, usually from about 5 to 20 which are or have been extremely meaningful 
uh, to you or uh, to me and in, in, in our own lives and for which we feel a burden for God to use with great power over and over in your ministry and, and, and our ministry in the years to come. So in other words, there are five to 20 books out of the 66 that we're really drawing to. Interesting. And we go back to them regularly. Yeah. And we feel almost embarrassed or a little ashamed. Shouldn't I know the whole counsel of God? But the fact of the matter is there's a reason why those books become prominent in your life. Because God wants you to use them to teach from and to grow yeah. from and nothing, to master them. Nothing I love more than an expert on Genesis yeah. or somebody who spent their whole life studying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a book, obviously, that's, that's near and dear to your heart that means something of mm-hmm. significance to you. Out of that core set, there's a core selection, according to my mentor. That refers to the core books, the important passages, maybe it's key biographical characters, or special psalms or special parables, maybe special values or key topics, which are or have been extremely meaningful to you in your own life and for which you feel a burden from God to use with greater power over and over in your ministry in the years to come. So that's, again, why you're drawn to certain phrases, Mm -hmm. certain statements, certain passages, certain paragraphs, certain chapters, um, certain genre in, in the Bible. And you have to take that seriously because you may be being urged by the Holy Spirit to really learn them well because God will use you in the future. He's preparing you for something that maybe doesn't even exist yet or that does, and there's going to be opportunities coming away, and you need to be prepared. Yeah. So it's the training that needs to mm-hmm. be done. So I think that's pretty ins- significant. I do too. Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest. We're talking about setting Scripture with Scripture, which I love. All right, let's go back. Uh, let's go uh, forward, Greg, to retention of the Word. Yeah. Now, go back to these steps, audience, these five steps, and we labeled them already. We said hear, hear. read, study, memorize, and meditate. And so when we look at the passage for hearing, what we read about, you know, when we're talking about the retention of the word, getting the grip, it's Romans ten seventeen. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, if that's all we do, Bill, if that's all we're doing uh, for our, our growth is hearing the word, we're only going to retain about 5% of what we hear, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, listen to an audio tape or it's listening to a sermon um, or it's listening to somebody reading the word or speaking to us about the word. We only re- retain about 5%. But when you add hearing, when you add reading to hearing, and that passage for reading is Revelation 1.3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. <clears throat> so now you're reading the Word of God in addition to hearing the Word of God. And so the retention uh, grows to about 10%, according to the research uh, that I looked at. Generally, um, it's, it creates a, a knowledge about Scripture, but not necessarily a knowledge of Scripture. In other words, uh, we understand facts, we can understand uh, outlines, we can understand maybe the narrative of the history or the intent of the poem or the meaning of the parable in a general sense, but we're still not going far enough as far as, as, as I, I'm concerned. We're, we're, we're gaining a knowledge, but the next step... And I think that's the cliffhanger. Yeah. I think we go to break, then we come back. Yep. People are going to want to know what that next step is, because the next step is a significant jump. Yep, it And sure that's is. exciting. Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest. We're talking about studying Scripture with Scripture. We'll take a short break and be right back. 
want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. I am back with the Afternoons with Bill Arnold show. I'm pretty much guaranteed to annoy someone in your your carpool. Usually what happens. But my guest is Dr. Greg Borgon. We're talking about studying scripture with scripture. So, Greg, we're at that place now where we're going to make a significant jump in retention of the word. And it's going to be the result of fill in the blank. Yeah, study. Study. There you go. But before we even touch on that subject, when we think about hearing and reading... Um, and I'm using uh, – the audience may or may not know this reference, Bloom's Taxonomy, which is a, a way of understanding of how we absorb information. And so if we just stick with hearing and reading those first two steps on that stairway, we'll gain some knowledge, some comprehension, and enough to be dangerous to apply. <laughs> mm-hmm. And But that's where, where I find many Christians, um, that's where they stay is in those first two steps. So this next step – is a big step because it takes a volitional commitment. You have to decide whether or not you're going to go beyond the more passive nature of, you know, hearing the word and reading the word. And now you're going to be actually involved in delving into it and trying to determine uh, for yourself what God means in these passages and what implications Mm -hmm. it has for your life. So that's what study. Please read. May I read a corresponding verse to the study and that is Acts 17, verse 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. You know, it'd be interesting to ask a question if we could put some truth serum into everybody that I asked this question. Um, do they do that? I mean, every time they hear a message or they read um, a commentary, or they look at uh, or read an article, do they go back to Scripture and, and see if it gels with what the Word of God really has to say? Or do we come around with, with sound bites and, and cobble those sound bites together for an understanding of what we think the Scripture actually says? Mm-hmm. Because this really takes some energy. This takes some effort. We talked about the three steps of observation, interpretation, and application, and learning how to master the Word and so that's what study is all about. But when we do that, you retain about 50% of it. If wow. 50 to that's 60%. That's a big jump, Greg. That's a huge jump from yep. 10%. 5% but, hearing, you jump to 10% if you read as yep. well. If you study it, it jumps to 50%. Jumps to 50% that's when big. you study the Word of God. Now, of course, you can even increase that percentage when you, for instance, keep a journal, write down your insights, the questions that are in your heart, the prayers that... that uh, well up in you as you're looking at that scripture, the mm-hmm. passages that are standing out to you. I mean, I'm sure this has happened to your audience where you read a passage, you've read it several times, and all of a sudden that, that morning after you've had that sip of coffee and you read it again, coffee and you read it again, it jumps out like a neon light. Yep. And you're thinking to yourself, why didn't I see that before? Yeah. Why is this verse so animated in yeah. my mind right now and well, heart? We have to understand that the Spirit of God who dwells in us is our instructor. Amen. 
And we have to show uh, that we're ready to hear what we need to hear and do what we need to do. So study is absolutely critical. Now, the next step takes even a greater commitment. It's one thing to study the Word and to gain an understanding of it and how it applies to your life and to properly interpret the Word of God and to understand the scope of God's revelation, His love letter to us we find in the Bible. It's another thing to go ahead and start memorizing Scripture. Mm -hmm. When I was taught how to memorize Scripture, um, I would uh, be told to memorize, when I was uh, discipled by this this man of God, Daryl Johnson, back in San Diego when I was a young chief in the Navy, he not only had me memorize the Scripture, but he would ask me questions after I memorized it and set scenarios or situation where that Scripture could be applied or it would be a great opportunity to share that Scripture. And so it wouldn't be, he wouldn't say, okay, what is Psalm 119, 9 through 11? Give that to me. He'd give me a scenario that that would fit. Wow. And once I, I gathered all of those memory, and, you know, th- th- there were 13 sections, which means there were 26 Scripture passages I memorized. You can imagine what the conversation sounded like at the end of that 13 sections after that year because he'd ask questions that I would have to draw from those, tw- and it just forced me to memorize it even more. My men that um, go through phase one of Heart of Warrior have to memorize Titus 2, 11 through 14. And I can see the fear in their eyes when I tell them that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't think they were going to go to school. You know, that's the general word that I hear from them. But when they start to memorize it and they start chewing on it, you know, segment by segment and using some scheme to go in and memorize the passage, it becomes powerful in their lives. And they don't believe the lie that they've, they've embraced that, you know, I'm not good at memory. I can't memorize. I'm too old to memorize. That's, mm-hmm. that's just not true. But the memory of God's Word, hiding it in your heart and being able to bring it to memory or the Spirit of God to bring it to memory in a course of a conversation with somebody, maybe a non-Christian or a Christian that's struggling, um, and and just knowing what that passage is and how it applies is significant. Yeah, I've got a verse from Psalm 119. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So there's a memorized... Yeah. Yeah. That's a powerful, powerful powerful, passage. The last step on this five-step stairway is to meditate on the Word of God. And when you meditate on it, what you're doing is you're not emptying your mind um, like some meditation, transcendental meditation, other types of secular meditation, yoga for that matter. Um, but you're filling your mind with the things of God. You're chewing over them. You're trying to understand them. You're, you're, you're drawing analogies. You're, you're, you're coming up with word pictures or um, examples uh, of what that passage means. And so you're really chewing on it and meditating on it and praying over it. When that happens, Bill, the retention goes to 90%. Now, Let's just rehearse this a little bit. When we talk about hearing and reading, if we just hear the word, it's 5% retention. When we read the word, it goes to 10%. When we study the word, it goes to 50 plus percent. When we memorize it, 75%. And when we meditate on it, 90%. The other thing that I want to draw our attention to is I said in the first two, hear and read, we may gain a knowledge about uh, the word of God. We may have a 
um, a limited uh, comprehension of what it means, and we can certainly apply it from that level. And that gives us an overall knowledge of the Word. But these last three steps of study, memorizing, and meditating, all of a sudden you move, Bill, from knowledge to wisdom. Mm, I like that. And deeper levels of learning. Analysis, synthesis, evaluation, what I mean by analysis, you're taking the word apart, you're understanding what the words mean, maybe you're even digging into what it meant in the original languages, you're pulling it back together with other scriptures related to the same thing or the same issue that you're, or subject you're talking about, and then you're, you're drawing conclusions on, on how to apply. So when we talk about evaluation, we're talking about how to discern things around you, how to make judgments and draw conclusions from a, a scriptural point of view. So all of these, these five steps, if we practice them, each successive step gives us a firmer grip, Bill. So uh, in Psalm 1, 2, and 3, uh, we read that, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. That's a powerful statement. It sure is. So, um, in the few moments we have left, one of the things I'd like to do is to help the audience draw the conclusion that when we move from head to heart, the transformational center of our core requires... um, you know, meditation. That's, mm-hmm. that's what actually moves it from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. So in terms of preparation, Bill, and we'll close with this, is to pray, get your heart ready, ask God to show you his ways. Relax your body. Don't start studying while you're intense or sleepy. Um, examine your will. Are you ready to obey to change your lifestyle? Um, that's pre- a big one. Pre- preview the material, what you're studying, uh, ask questions, what are you looking for, read the material, and then recognize the good study takes hard work. Yeah, it's so true. Great. Greg, this has been a wonderful reminder and a good uh, instructional guide for us to be motivated to study Scripture and to not only just read it, but to study it and meditate on it. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I always have to do a little shout out here too, uh, Greg. Uh, all the way from Cloquet, Minnesota, my wingman Terry said, I really enjoy Dr. Greg Borgon's new Heart of a Warrior newsletter, Reconciling the Wrath of God. I've already <laughs> forwarded it to many of my family members. Oh, that's wonderful One of the few emails I look to with much anticipation. Oh, that's great. If anybody's lovely? interested in doing that, go to my website and subscribe, and you'll get a newsletter every month on a different subject. And that's heartofawarrior.org. That's it. All right. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas. We'll be right back with Dr. Andy Davis. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.